0: That Triathlon Show, episode 50. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to a special episode of That Triathlon Show, our 50th episode. It's uh, gone really fast. I started this podcast back in at the end of February of this year 2017 and we're already up to 50 episodes so wow this has been really great really fun and I hope that you have enjoyed it as much as I have. I of course am your host Michael as always and this podcast is presented by scientifictriathlon.com. So for this special episode It's going to be a different format compared to normally, and I hope it will turn out well. There are quite a few bits and pieces that need to come together here because I'm actually recording from a different quote-unquote studio today. I'm visiting my families, so I don't have my quite regular setup, and I'm also doing quite a lot of, um, let's say, cutting and clipping of uh, previous audio uh, nuggets from other episodes. So... I hope it turns out good, but uh, we'll see. I think that the content, as always, will be really good. Some audio editing stuff uh, might leave something to be desired. If you are an audio editor and uh, you'd like to help me out for free, then you're welcome to send me an email to michael at com. But anyways, I think that this will be really great. We will have highlights from the previous 49 episodes the best of the best in terms of advice, tips, tools, and tactics from a whole host of fantastic guests that have been on the show so far, and maybe some of my own really good tips that I've shared on this podcast. Then there will be some hidden gems. I'll list some of the more unconventional or unknown pieces of advice that have come up as well. Plus, as you know, I always ask my guests a few rapid-fire questions, and usually... At least a couple of those remain the same from episode to episodes, and some patterns have started to emerge, so I will tell you a little bit about those patterns very briefly. What are the best resources, books, tools, favorite pieces of equipment, and so on, of all of the That Triathlon Show guests. Then I'll, again, very briefly talk a bit about our most popular episodes, so you can already start guessing at which episodes do you think are the most popular so far in the history of that triathlon show so uh, i'll talk about that a little bit of stats for you and finally i'll give you a little teaser for what's coming up in the near term and long term future for that triathlon show um one thing about my studio setup that i forgot to mention that i wanted to mention is that i'm actually sitting down i usually stand up recording because i have a standing desk at my home but i don't have that today and uh I don't know I find it quite difficult to be engaging when I sit down so if I end up sounding a bit boring then that might be why Uh, it's certainly not because uh, I am bored because I'm having a really good time here I have a two-week vacation and I had my last day as a full-time engineer last Friday so that would have been the, the 11th of August and I'm recording on the 15th so so that's great um, yeah. Before we dive into the main segments for today, remember that you can always send me feedback and questions, and I'm especially curious for about what you think about this episode. So send that to Michael at scientifictriathlon.com, and that's Michael with a K, or tweet me at at sci-triat. And final call to action before actually starting with this episode. Now that that triathlon show is uh, 50 episodes old and has been coming out consistently every Monday and Thursday for 25 weeks or so, I am uh, i don't have my calculator and I don't want to calculate in my head. No, just kidding. It is 25 weeks. You probably realize that it's here to stay and I'll do everything I can to constantly keep improving it. That's why I always ask for feedback But if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and go to the archive if you haven't listened to all the previous episodes and look them up because there's some real gold down in the archives. And uh, about the audio quality of some of the earlier episodes, it's a bit sketchy at points and I'm still learning a lot about that part of podcasting. It will keep improving, and I hope it's been getting better and better, and uh, that's what I aim to improve even more in the future. So, um, yeah, that's that. So, all right, now let's not waste any more time. Let's start with some highlights from previous episodes.
1: Sure. I would say if we talk about a philosophy of periodization that makes it very simple for everybody, the philosophy is... That the closer in time you come to your race, the more like the race your training should become.
0: That was Joe Friel from episode one. And he talked about periodization of triathlon training. And the reason that I add added this segment to this episode is that many athletes start to unconsciously second guessing their training plan the closer that they get to a race. And start throwing together workouts that they find in magazines or on forums or even on podcasts randomly in search of a magic bullet workout that is going to make them a lot fitter. And that's obviously not the way that you should do it. In many ways, planning your training becomes much easier the closer you get to your race because you can just try to simulate your race in training and the training will start to emulate the race demands. So for example if you you're targeting an Olympic distance race, a key bike workout might be 6 times 10 minutes at race intensity with a few minutes of recovery between each repetition uh, assuming that you're shooting for closer to a one hour bike split. So again the closer in time you get to your race, the more like your race your training should become. In episode three, we had Jerry Rodriguez, who is a great triathlon swim coach on, and he talked about the three foundational elements that will make you swim faster. Let's hear from Jerry. If I can nail down these three things, body tautness, which is really structural presence, alignment of the frame, which is holding the frame in a straight line, head, chest, belly button, pelvis, knees, ankles, dead straight line, And then how to go about generating propulsion, which will give us um, velocity, right? If we can nail those three things down, and I can present that in the most simplistic way, I think we can get almost everybody to swim relatively fast. Right, so there you had it. You had tautness, alignment, and propulsion as the three foundational elements. And funnily enough, I just got back from the pool where I first had my own workout. And after that, I was actually coaching my mom because she's getting into triathlon and i was uh, showing her uh, a few basic things about freestyle swimming and trying to have coach her to swim faster and we focused uh, completely on tautness and just a little bit on stroke timing but mainly on tautness this entire lesson and if you would have seen the difference between her first 25 meter and her last 25 meter, it was like night and day just by learning how to how to use tautness in swimming. And uh, Jerry's teachings have helped me a lot with these three elements as well. And getting from, I don't know, a 230 pace per 100 meter pace when I started swimming to now swimming uh, a solid minute, to 130 or so faster in, regularly in my in my intervals. And, and just to briefly... Uh, recap what these things are you can go to episode three to learn more by the way joe friel was in episode one but tautness is to engage your body keep it active you can an analogy would be an uncooked spaghetti straw versus a cooked spaghetti straw so you have some structure structural integrity to your body and alignment is to make stroke advice really simple and understandable from your hand entry to the very end until through your stroke Keep your hand in the channel that's formed by a line projected from your shoulder and the second line that's the center of your body. So in that channel, between that center line and the shoulder line, you should keep your hand throughout the stroke from hand entry to exit. Simple, not easy. And finally, propulsion. Jerry puts it very eloquently, grip it and rip it. Keep your wrist firm and don't pet the kitty, as Jerry says. And uh, with these three things, you can make a lot of improvements if you just focus on these three simple foundational elements. In episode four, Wendy Mater, triathlon coach, talked a lot about what beginners should think about when starting out in triathlon. And in this segment, she talks about how to make triathlon lifestyle and the importance of it. Let's hear from Wendy.
1: I think, you know, first and foremost... Um, enjoy it. It's a lifestyle. I mean, obviously for me, it's a lifestyle 25 years later, but don't get caught up. If you're first getting started, don't get caught up in all the technology stuff that you can purchase. And some people are motivated by that, but I think you really, really enjoy the lifestyle of swimming, biking, and running. And a lot of times that gets you healthy with your
0: nutrition and your mental state of mind as well. So that one, as I said, was more for beginners and I highly, highly recommend episode four for any beginner listening to this. And I do plan to get more episodes specifically for beginners done in the future. I've been not too good at that so far and that's something that I'm very much aware of. So I'm working on that and please send me suggestions and feedback for what you beginners want as well. And just one short point I want to make for any beginner Triathlete out there, based on a recent email conversation I had with a listener, is don't get overwhelmed and think that you have to get all the latest gears and gadgets, as Wendy said. And equally important, don't think that you have to train a lot. You can make triathlon lifestyle by swimming, biking, and running even just once per week in each discipline, and you can finish a sprint triathlon on that training easily. That's uh, it's just about being consistent, not necessarily about training a whole lot. You don't need to do that train to the level that you want to to keep it fun. And in this next segment, I keep taking a lot of highlights from earlier episodes because I think that a lot of you have listened to all the recent episodes, but episode seven, Jim Vance, and the importance of being confident on the start line and how to become confident. Right. I can tell you most people think that I'm just all about numbers and
1: data, but really I'm a, I would say my bias as a coach is in the mentality of my athletes.
0: Being confident on the start line is probably the number one predictor of race performance. If the athlete is excited to race on the start line, confident and pumped up, ready to go, they're likely to have a great race. And data is what I find helps eliminate all the subjectivity of training. and makes it more objective so athletes can see that they're successful You know, gain confidence from that, gain a sense of fulfillment from all the training they're doing. And uh, that, in the end, is what I believe really leads to performance in races. And I couldn't agree more with Jim. And in an upcoming episode with Patrick Cohn, we'll talk about ways in which you can be proactive about building confidence. Jim talks about using data for that, knowing that you've done the work based on the data and uh, that you have done it right. that's one way definitely of being confident and getting to the start line confident a tip that I'll add is that something that I do for my races is I review my most successful recent workouts before every race I really look at the training file and think about how I felt during that workout if it was a great track session or a fantastic swim that I had it puts me in a confident state of mind which makes me ready to perform The next segment is from Matt Dixon from episode 13, The Pillars of Performance.
1: But in support of of that swimming and cycling and running, for an athlete to be successful, there has to be emphasis, intent and focus on recovery as a component of it. And that's a broad subject in itself. Strength and conditioning, really, really important, particularly important for Amateur athletes, I would say, although every one of my professional athletes incorporates strength and conditioning. And then the big bucket of nutrition, which includes fueling the calories consumed during and immediately following workouts, hydration, of course, during and outside of workouts, and your daily platform of eating.
0: And I think that that already said it all. The point here is, of course, that if you're even semi-serious about improving as a triathlete, then you can't isolate swimming, biking, and running. You need to consider and be particular about recovery, nutrition, and strength and conditioning as well. And this isn't just for the top eight troopers. This is really for everyone. And uh, yeah, this episode with Matt, episode 13, is one of the first episodes I would recommend any triathlete to listen to of all my 49 episodes, by the way. So if you haven't listened to it in its entirety, go ahead and do so. Now let's listen to a segment from one of my solo episodes, from episode 16 on intensity versus volume. If you're a beginner, you should focus mostly on increasing your volume by increasing the frequency of workouts. Do more workouts, they don't need to be too long, just do a bit more than you've been doing now by increasing more workouts. If you're an intermediate triathlete and you have you don't train too much and you have time and uh, to, to train more than you do at the moment, the total volume, then you can increase the volume. You can add a couple of workouts, but primarily you should increase the duration of your workouts. So if most of us are time-constrained and you're already at your limit of what you can do, so that's when starting to do high-intensity training really comes into play and becomes your path to performance improvement. And for advanced triathlete, if you have a VO2 max of 65 or above, definitely you need to include about 20% or 10 to 20% of your training should be the kind of high intensity workouts that you really try to smash. And I think that also speaks for itself pretty much. So let's move into another segment. This one too is a solo episode. I get a lot of questions about how to train for masters athletes to minimize the performance decline that comes with age so much so that in episode 20 I did an entire episode on it and here you'll hear me explain what the main reason for performance decline with age is. The reduction in performance and decline in performance is associated most closely with direct reductions in exercise volume and intensity and probably as a consequence of changes in a number of both physical and behavioral factors for example increased prevalence to injuries for masters athletes and uh, reductions in energy perhaps and time and motivation to train a lot of social obligations etc etc and of course this is not to say that decline won't happen But in many cases, a lot of what we'd naturally want to blame age for might just be your own training. So it might be something that you can change in your training that uh, will greatly reduce the reduction that you see. All right, next segment is from episode 26, High Performance Coaching with Paulo Sousa. And he discusses the wrong things that some coaches may focus on. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, focus on what sessions to do, what kind of training to do, what's
1: the right uh, amount of intensity, what's the right amount of volume and uh, about
0: the planning, just uh, having a plan and following it. The more you're bogged down to today, we need to do this session or or to think the to think uh, about training as just like the key session, the magical sessions that we have to have. And I included this segment here because this is definitely true for coaches, but it's also true for self coach athletes, which a lot of you guys listening are. So there's certainly a big, big difference between coaching and programming, which uh, is what uh, Polo kind of uh, alludes to here. Just having a training plan and getting a training plan is not getting coached or or coaching. So if you're getting coaching, you're getting interaction, feedback and an, an objective review of your training, you don't get just workouts on a piece of paper or... On a data screen or whatever so always keep the big picture in mind that is so important and I like the way that Cody Beals put it in episode 11 when we talked about self-coaching put on your coach's hat when you're coaching yourself or self-coaching and put on your athlete's hat when you're in execution mode and uh, need to execute your training and keep those roles separate in episode 31 we talked with john and chris Fornum of flow cycling the episode is titled how to shave 14 minutes off your ironman bike split and in this segment we'll break down exactly how to do that well so you're saying that it's, it's around about was it four minutes for each wheel and then three minutes for each tire when you when you upgrade from the standard set that you that you get with your bike was that how, how it breaks down
1: Roughly, so yeah. If, if you if you took those the this the scenarios that I gave, you're, look, you're roughly four per tire and about three per wheel. So it's it's a significant savings. You look at people who are trying to make Kona, um, who are trying to actually qualify. Fourteen minutes on just the bike segment alone.
0: So what we're talking about there is obviously aerodynamic savings and also rolling resistance savings from having the right tire. And of note. Uh, neither I nor John nor Chris said that it has to be flow wheels there are a lot of other wheels that offer very similar time savings and flow has done that analysis as well probably not at the same price point as flow offers though there are other good tires as well in addition to the continental gp force 24 mil that that John and Chris recommended but uh, so you can see episode 31 for all the details that being said with all the right gear and equipment nothing replaces a great bike fit as the rider accounts for the vast majority of drag aerodynamic drag anyway so this should be your first action step way before even considering buying any expensive gear and john and chris agree they uh, talked about that in episode 31 as well and to learn even more about aerodynamics, equipment, and bike fits, I also recommend listening to episodes 25, Aerodynamics, Mastery, and Free Speed on the Bike with Nuno Placeres. and episode 47, Virtual Wind Tunnel with Andrew Buckrell and Michael Lieberson. Now, for this highlights section, the final segment that I want to play is from another one of my absolute favorite interviews that I've done to date with Jesse Kropolnicki on fueling and hydration – and especially for long course triathletes, this is one of the must-listen-to episodes that I've done. So let's hear Jesse Kropolnicki.
1: We've worked with probably two to 3,000 athletes developing detailed race-fueling plans. So we have seen everything you could possibly imagine from high sweat rate people to low sweat rate people to high salt sweaters to low salt sweaters you name it you know i've probably worked with somewhere in the vicinity of 70 professional triathletes on their race fueling and um i could tell you right now that it is the number one limiter in long course racing the biggest changes we make with athletes fueling are to make sure that they're getting enough fluid and sodium most athletes um, drastically underestimate the requirements in those two areas You know, what's an easy way for an athlete that's racing a half Ironman event or an Ironman event to make sure that they're drinking enough? It's pretty simple. You need to make sure you pee at least once in half Ironman on the bike, and you need to make sure you pee at least twice in Ironman on the bike. If you don't do those two things in those races, then you are not going to perform to your potential. Most athletes, their primary limiter on race day is their ability to handle what their body requires. And athletes don't seem to get that. They think just because their body requires a certain amount of carbohydrate, a certain amount of sodium, a certain amount of fluid, that they're magically just going to be able to handle it. And nothing could be further from the truth. Those athletes that have a higher sweat rate many not many times need to spend a year training their gut to actually be able to handle what their body requires.
0: Now I'm all for getting the basics right and the fundamentals right first and I think that most of these topics that I picked up in the first part of this episode are more or less about different fundamentals of the sport whether it be training, recovery, nutrition and even equipment they all have something to do with with the fundamentals on different levels, but still. But in this next section, I will pick up some pick out, sorry, some hidden gems from from some of our episode, less known, more unconventional things that we've heard on different interviews or in solo episodes, as it pertains to triathlon training and racing. One of them I realized now in hindsight is not so much unconventional, but uh, I just started to see a pattern come up, and I wanted to include that. But you'll see about what that is in just a little bit but first let's start with a segment from episode 17 brain training and psychobiology of endurance performance with professor samuele marcora so
1: in a a study we did the year before we published the year before we induced muscle fatigue by doing 100 drop jumps before doing the cycling test this pre-fatiguing of the locomotive muscle induced a reduction in performance as you would expect but what, what was fascinating is that mental fatigue caused a very similar reduction so whether you have a tired mind or whether you have tired legs the effect is the same when you go on the bike or running or whatever we also did the study we haven't published on swimming is that the effect is the same the same pace feels harder and therefore you will reach the point at which you feel that you have given your maximal effort earlier than in the condition that we call it control condition, where you do this the same endurance test without uh, pre-fatigue, either muscular or mental.
0: So I find that pretty incredible that the reduction in endurance performance caused by mental pre-fatigue from a computerized task was similar or identical to the reduction caused by 100 drop jumps just goes to show you how important the mental side of things is in endurance sports the next segment is from episode 36 called cooldowns are they necessary let's hear whether they are so just to wrap up the conclusions for this episode there's not much in favor of doing cooldowns in terms of evidence-based research. The only thing that has been proven is that it may it reduces the risk of being dizzy or fainting if you stop to a dead still. So try not to do that, stop to a dead still, but walk around for a couple of minutes after you stop your workouts. And that, again, is pretty self-explanatory and that this is something that, again, I've been starting to apply more and more in the workouts of the athletes that I coach because they are all time-crunched athletes and uh, if they have an hour, then I'd rather spend an extra 10 minutes on the warm-up or even the main set rather than the cooldown. So this is very practical information that I hope that you start to apply and not take cooldowns for... Uh, for granted and take it at at face value that you have to do them all right this next gem that i have is uh, not so much unconventional but it's something it's unconventional in the sense that many don't adhere to this so i'll play a few clips from many many different episodes you'll hear in turn Marybeth ellis brad stolberg joe friel matt dixon Cody Beals and uh, Chad Timmerman talk about this topic that I want you to to really take away. I think
1: the priority should be sleep. Um, and that's something that I try to stress with my athletes is that, you know, you're not going to get in the quality training session if you're skimping on sleep all the time. So I I think it, sometimes it's better to opt to skip that training and make sure you're getting enough sleep. Sleep. We don't get nearly enough sleep. I required, when I was coaching, I required the athletes I coached, to get a lot of sleep every night and what does that mean what's a lot of sleep that means they would wake up without an alarm clock the number one recovery tool that you have and it's free is sleep
0: i would say taking recovery as seriously as the workouts so a lot of age groupers i train with some of them are fantastic about smashing workouts not so great about you know respecting their bedtime or (laughs) having a nap or something like that or having practicing good nutrition during the day so that's equally as important another and it's it's certainly not a new topic but is emphasis on the quality of sleep and we're trying to find ways to basically maximize our recovery during you know that that very specific downtime during sleep all right and i made a mix-up there brad stolberg was not in that clip it was marybeth ellis from episode 32 Joe Friel from episode 1, Matt Dixon, episode 13, Cody Bills, episode 11, and Chad Timmerman, episode 38. And I think that that clip, it's a pattern. These are not the only ones that have been talking about sleep, but I think that uh, those should be enough to convince you that you really need to, to catch your C's or you're cutting yourself short on sleep. The next segment, and this is again more of an unconventional hidden gem, is related to recovery. Or measuring recovery, it's heart rate variability. And in episode forty-two, we had Dan Pluse on to talk about HRV. And uh, let's hear what uh, Dan had to say.
1: So, so we devised ways where we would look at, you know, we'd look at baseline measures for that individual, and we'd establish ways to measure those that, that baseline. And then we'd look at how it would well, those rolling averages would respond over a training block. Yeah, so you'd see basically you you would you would see an increase in that an increasing trend. So the if you look at the rolling the rolling average over a seven day period, and you're doing a good block of training and you're actually making some good adaptations to that training, you would really see it increase and go above the the, the kind of your threshold zones for your normal baseline.
0: So as we talked about on that episode 42 with uh, the blues, I am using HRV myself, using the HRV for training app. And um, yeah, I have to preface this by saying that I'm very curious and like to try a lot of new things, but I only stick with the ones that I believe are really, and I mean really beneficial and can turn the needle for me. And HRV definitely is one of those things for me. I have been using it for well over three months now, I think. And uh, I know that the more data that I get, the more important and beneficial it will become. And one thing that the blues turned me on to was the fact that tracking the rolling average of the HRV and comparing that to your baseline and uh, seeing if the rolling average increases during a hard block of training is probably the most important thing that you should track within the realm of hrv so so that was uh, news to me and uh, if you're interested in hrv check out episode 42 and finally the final hidden gem is from brad stolberg this episode is uh, also one of the ones that i would classify as my favorites it's about peak performance not just in triathlon but also in life and uh, Brad talks about being an anti-hack guy, and uh, I found that was uh, really great and really applicable for triathlon. There's no silver bullet and uh, no no hacks. So let's hear what Brad has to say about that.
1: And I think you know the other thing that I'll add in because every opportunity to say this, I say it. There are no hacks like nothing makes me more sick. There are a lot of books in this genre that talk about the hacks. So if you like kind of mentioned earlier with the routine, but if you just take these supplements or if you wear this weird electrical headband, or if you intermittently fast and sleep, like no one of those things, not all of those things together are going to make you a better performer. Like becoming better at anything is really, really hard and it takes time. And the only way to do it is to embrace the journey. Um, so I'm kind of like becoming the anti-hack person, but I think that that's okay.
0: Wow, I couldn't have said it better myself. Although we had a little bit of weird audio going on, I think that was uh, a super important clip to include in this episode because um, I'm such a big believer in what Brad just said there. Again, episode 28, highly recommended, one of the most downloaded episodes we have. And uh, there's this saying that it takes a long time to become an overnight success. And nowhere is this as true as in triathlon, you can't hack your way there. You need to just um, chop wood and carry water, as uh, Paulo Sousa also talked about in uh, in the interview that we did with him. Always remember that. All right, let's move on to some patterns that have been showing up in the rapid fire questions. What are the most liked and uh, endorsed resources, books, blogs or websites related to triathlon, the best, most favored gear or equipment for triathlon and the most common habits amongst the guests of that triathlon show? Starting with resources, the question that I ask is, what's your favorite book, blog, or resource related to triathlon? Or in some cases, to your field of expertise. And we have a joint winner here. It's uh, the Slow Twitch website and forums and uh, the book Triathlon 2.0 by Jim Vance. Again, go to episode 7 to hear more about that. And uh, honorable mentions to How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald, The well built Triathlete by Matt Dixon, Triathlon Science, co-edited by Jim Vance and Joe Friel. Life of a Triathlete by Meredith Kessler and Swim Smooth by Paul Newsom. That's a website and a book and a platform. So there are a lot of a lot of dimensions to that Swim Smooth. But again, Slow Twitch and Triathlon 2.0. For the question, what's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? We have a landslide victory for the power meter. It's got... Uh, six counts versus two for the second place or second places so uh, yeah not even going to mention the other ones a power meter is by far the most liked piece of gear or equipment and finally the question what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success not surprisingly the uh, number one habit is consistency with six counts and sleep is uh, in second place with four and napping is third with three there's an overlap some people have said sleep and napping and i ca- counted them as separate but uh, yeah that's uh those are the three consistency and sleep slash napping now what do you think have been the top episodes the most downloaded episodes of that triathlon show so far I'll give you the answer in just two seconds. I'll let you have uh, those two seconds to think first. All right, time's up. Number one is number episode number one, Joe Friel. And he's advice for improving your training structure and uh, training periodization. Number two is uh, this is kind of uh, a surprise to me. Not uh, based on the quality of the episode, but based on the topic. I didn't think that this would be so popular as it has been, but episode 17 with Samuele Marcora, Brain Training and Psychobiology of Endurance Performance. And episode number, or number three, I should say, the third most downloaded episode, is also a surprise to me, I think, based on um, the way I've taken this podcast with mostly coaches, researchers and experts in their fields uh and uh number the third most downloaded is uh with Cody Beals so a pro triathlete and it's called Master Ironman 70.3 training with pro triathlete Cody Beals but we also talk a lot about self coaching there so that may be the reason why that's so popular and Cody is a fantastic guy and and we had a great chat so it's not surprising that that people like it when they have downloaded it but obviously when uh, getting these download numbers a lot of people look at who's the guest and what's the title and that's why when how you decide if you're going to listen or not and the fourth most downloaded is not a surprise to me definitely not it's uh, episode number three three foundational elements that will make you swim faster with Jerry Rodriguez and if you haven't listened to that and especially if the swim is something you struggle with this is a must listen Together with episode number one, Joe Freel, that was uh, the most downloaded, and uh, the fifth most downloaded is another must listen. I would say, "Race Day Fueling and the Core Diet" with Jesse Kropelnicki, episode number forty. So again, just to recap: Joe Freel, episode number one; Samuel Marcora, episode seventeen; Cody Beals, episode eleven; Jerry Rodriguez, episode number three, and Jesse Kropelnicki, episode number forty. So I hope that you have enjoyed this special episode of a different format than usual with these different segments and clips and some uh, stats and useful information from the history of the first 50 episodes of that triathlon show. And now let me just uh, talk a little bit about the future of the show, give you a little teaser on what's coming up. Of course, the show will keep going strong. It will only keep improving. That's why I always ask you to send me feedback to michael at scientifictriathlon.com. And that's Michael with a K. I will get uh, more time to work on it when I transition to coaching full-time and quitting my engineering day job and moving to Portugal in October. I'm so looking forward to that. And uh, in the near future, even before that, we'll have great guests like Shona Helson, who is a fantastic researcher on recovery from the Australian Institute of Sports, Patrick Cohn, who is one of the most well-known sports psychologists in in the US, and he works with both a lot of triathletes, but also pro golfers and and a lot of different sports, so he has uh, so much knowledge, and I've done that interview already, as the one with Shona, and both are great, so look forward to those. This week, uh, from the 15th of August, I'm interviewing three other guests, Danielle Stefano. I'm really looking forward to that as well. She is uh, an elite coach and has been to the Olympics in the capacity of a coach for the Australian Olympic team. David tilbury Davis, who has been working with Cody Beals, Lionel Sanders and a lot of other great guys. And he's known as one of the best in the, in the field. And Gail Bernhardt, same for her. She has been to the Olympics as well. Uh, for the u.s olympic team so uh, yeah if you're well versed in the sport or just listening to me list those merits you know that that list includes some of the best of the best in uh, when it comes to coaches and researchers in the world of triathlon and endurance sports and that's my goal and the goal of the show to keep bringing excellent guests like this on but not just uh, the ones that you read about in every single magazine and uh, here on every single podcast I want to uncover the gems like Shauna and uh, and Patrick and Danielle, for example, that are not necessarily names that you've heard of before, but they're so fantastic, have so fantastic achievements to their name that they should be hear- heard. And that's uh, something that I really want to emphasize and, uh, and do more of in the future, do this journalistic digging and uncover these gems that uh, that we need to get out get out to to the bigger audience and uh, and let's hear hear what they have to say so so i hope that that is uh, that is enough to convince you to to stay with us and keep listening to the show so yeah essentially not just keep regurgitating all the same people that you see and hear over and over again everywhere so uh, what else? Yeah, I do want to receive feedback and constructive criticism, of course. Uh, also, please send me requests for guests and topics. Again, that email was michael at And that's Michael with a K. And uh, some of the feedback that I have gotten about what makes you listen to the podcast week after week are the things that I mentioned above about great guests. And also that I'm not afraid to ask for specifics and challenge the guests a bit. So I want to keep improving on that front as well as an interviewer and uh, do more of that. So, so I hope that that's also one of the reasons that that you enjoy the show. That uh, that you know that that I'm going to to challenge. I guess if there's something that I I believe that needs more clarification or whatever it is. Also in the future. I will start to consider maybe bringing on some sponsors to offset the costs of the show including both podcast hosting and website hosting audio editing and to some extent also of course to um, to cover my time investment which is huge although I do love it uh, but if I bring on sponsors it will only be the right sponsors that I really really believe in trust and would feel confident endorsing it to anybody and uh, I have a uh, come up with a test that uh, that would go for any sponsor and my litmus test if you will and that would be would i recommend this product to an athlete that i coach without having any sort of affiliation with it and if i wouldn't then that's not the right sponsor for the show but you will notice if the time comes that i bring on sponsors but um, there are costs related to to having a podcast so so i hope to To work on that, and if you are interested in sponsoring the uh, the show, please uh, get in touch with me and uh, we can have a discussion. As I mentioned in uh, today's uh, episode and in previous interviews, I'll start to work full-time on Scientific Triathlon from October, and I'll move to Lisbon to do so. And uh, my last day was actually just a few days ago on the 11th of August, and I will only work part-time in September so uh, i will also now have the ability to take on a few more athletes as coached athletes and if you are interested in getting coached by me please send me an email to michael at dot and we can discuss more about it i'm working on creating a web page where i'll have more details so i can just uh, give you a link but for now uh, please send me an email and uh, and i can describe to you over email or we can schedule a skype or whatever you prefer And uh, I currently coach eight athletes and I'll cap my number of athletes to 15, uh, even when I'm completely full time. So if you are already sure that you want to be coached by me, then uh, you might want to actually be quick and get in touch with me since there are not too many slots available. Finally, this is uh, a bit of a side note, but massive congratulations to one of the athletes that I coach, Marina, who just last week, by the time of this recording, gave birth to her first child, a little boy. He was a month early, so Marina was actually out on a two hour plus bike ride just I think one or maybe two days before no one day before going to the hospital and a couple of days before giving birth so that is incredible uh, massive congratulations and good luck to to Marina and to to the boy and uh, and to her husband to the entire family of course uh, yeah that was uh, it I think we are most definitely coming up on time for this episode I hope that you've enjoyed it a lot and uh, we'll be back in the next episode with a normal interview, and that will be with uh, Patrick Cohn on mental self sabotage that triathletes do and uh, how to uh, avoid it. In the meantime, remember to subscribe to the podcast and send me questions and feedback to my email, michael at or Twitter at triat Thanks for sticking with me. Thank you so much for sticking with me for 50 episodes. And look forward to many, many more to come. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.